Welcome everybody, this is Get the KO, and this is our fifth week now that we've been doing this broadcast, and it's been a lot of fun. As always, my ho- I'm the host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, and as always, I have... Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou. That's right, so if you guys didn't know, last night there was the UFC fights going on, Sergio Pettis was definitely on the card, he did a great job, I was definitely proud of him, uh, but we're, you know, that was also a fight card where we saw seven first round finishes, it was an exact tie for uh, previous uh, UFC, so it's pretty cool to see that you know, some of these undercard fights are definitely showing up, uh, unfortunately, you know, I know a lot of people like to watch just the pay-per-view events, so we don't really get to... Talk a lot. Some people are always just like, I'm just a fan of just this one fight. I'm not I'm not really trying to watch everything. But, uh, you know, if you guys do get to pay attention to some of these undercard fights, check them out because they're definitely worth watching, especially when they're free over on Fox Sports. So should definitely hit it up. Uh, Anthony, man, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the fight card. We're going to talk about the women's division. We got dream matches that we put down on paper that we talked about last week for UFC 217. There's a few few other notes. We're getting ready to talk about, like, the McGregor, Floyd Mayweather fight again. It's coming up really fast. It is. It definitely is. And what's kind of cool is that we're starting to see, like, the small buildups to it. But unfortunately, I heard ticket sales right now for for the boxing fight aren't taking off like they thought they would. Uh, and that just that just goes with just knowing that, you know, sometimes you got to strike when the iron is hot. And when those guys were on the press tour, they should have released the ticket sales that day. So people got the opportunity to buy them, but they kind of waited because they thought that the presser was going to get more hype. But, I mean, it, it is what it is right now. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, I've heard, like, fight seats were going for as much as, like, $50,000 or something like that. It was crazy numbers. I was like, yeah. I love the fights, but I'd rather spend $100 and just watch it at home because at least I know I'll have the best seats in the house instead of just being in an arena, like, in the nosebleed seats. Yeah, definitely. I'd rather not... Be able to. Uh, I don't. First off, I don't have fifty thousand dollars. I can just go and spend at at will to watch a boxing match that might not be that great. No, I mean I don't. I mean, and for those people who do, hey, by all means, do what you do. But uh, yeah, let's get into talking about this, man. So one thing that I definitely wanted to talk about, and you kind of hit on it, it was the second topic you talked about, uh, the women's division. So the reason why we want to talk about the women's division is just because. When you think of a face of a franchise, right, you have your players out there that you know. If you said, who's the face of the franchise for the Carolina Panthers? Cam Newton. Who's the face of the franchise for, you know, who's the face of the franchise for the Yankees? Some people would argue and say Derek Jeter. Other people would say some other people. You know, you start thinking about these other people. But when you think of the face of the UFC, it's usually going to be a Conor McGregor. It's going to be a John Jones or... It's going to be a Ronda Rousey. And we all saw what happened with Ronda Rousey against Amanda Nunes. And for those who haven't, uh, Ronda was knocked out by Amanda back in November of last year. And it was kind of hinted that she might retire. So now what it is is we don't have a face of the women's division, and we're looking for that next person who's going to be up there. And sure, the UFC has put out there Paige Van Zant. You know, she did Dancing with the Stars, and she's going to be that next girl. But she recently got beat by Michelle Watterson. So the UFC was like, all right, well, we'll hang our hat on Michelle Watterson. Great. Well, now Michelle Watterson took a, took a loss. And then you can say, hey, who's going to be that next person that we're going to hang our hat on? And, Anthony, who do you think is the face of the women's division currently? Currently, right now, you you got to go with Yolanda Jarzinka. She's she's a straw the straw women's uh, the women's straw weight champion. She's got some good title defenses. She's beaten a few people 
Um, she's kind of making her name being out there a little bit more, going to, like, basketball games, messing with the Chicago Bulls mascot, stuff like that. Really, there's a, that was, that's really the only big name that we have right now in the UFC that's stepping up. I mean, you do have, like, the Holly Holmes or you got the uh, Chris Cyborg Santos uh, doing her thing. You got two couple big names, but nobody's really doing anything besides maybe a Paige Van Zandt with America with Dancing with the Stars or 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 Joanna with her uh, going going to all these American sports and getting her name put out there. You know, and that's sad too because you know one thing that when you think about it, like for me, when I think about the women's division, right, I think of Chris Cyborg, I think of Gina Carano, and I think of Ronda Rousey because those were the three biggest stars, right? Chris Cyborg was like knocking people out. Gina Carano put women's division on the map for the U.S. and there's no doubt about that. She's the one that started it. She opened up a shadow. Ronda expanded that out, and now every woman is under Ronda's shadow in the sense that she made the sport so big in the U.S. for women's uh, fighting that now you're looking out and you're like, well, who's going to be the next person that can be that Ronda Rousey? Who's that next person that's going to be able to talk all that trash and back it up? And unfortunately, there's not a player out there who, or a fighter out there who can be what Ronda was. And it's, it's rough to say it like that because you think of all the things that Gina Carano has done, especially when she crossed over to, like, Hollywood, and she's been able to make a lot of money. Now you see all the things that Ronda Rousey's able to do. Now she's crossing over into Hollywood. She's making tons of money, and now she's on the NBC reality shows. And it's tough because you're like, well, I really want another female superstar who's going to talk a lot of trash. And Joanna is great, and she's a great champion by all means. She's very classy. I definitely like that about her. She's definitely a role model where if – young girls are looking at MMA as, as a potential career, she's, she's the perfect example of who you want to be like. And I say that because her, uh, Holly Holm, and, um, and Misha Tate so in, in a contest, and Michelle Watterson, like, and Paige Van Zandt. Like, those five girls, to me, like, very driven, very humble, very, like, fighting champion or fighters that well, aren't scared to fight. They're willing to go out there and do their thing. But uh, the worst part about it is, after that, it's like a slew of people that you cannot really count on to show up at an event, and that's it's it's tough. Yeah, definitely. You you don't have that 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 star power no more. And I keep going to this stardom and the star power. We don't have that. We had after Ronda lost her title, Holly Holly got beat by Misha. Misha got beat by uh, the the current champion uh, who kind of just ducked out and of her last fight um, with Amanda Nunez, uh, you don't have anybody that's gonna, that, that can just push the women's division farther than what it is now. And that, and that sucks because that's what Ronda did for the division, like you said. Uh, it was something bigger than her at the time. It was putting the women's map, putting the women's division on the map. And after that, Ronda just kept on going with it. And you don't have that. You don't have that person that can that can take it to the next level. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here in the next couple of years to the women's division. Yeah, and there's no doubt. I mean, and, and, you know, 
another another thing you talk about is just even looking at the men's division in the UFC, you're not really too familiar with a lot of the fighters. You know some of the names, but you're not really too big with them. You know, as much as Stipe is the heavyweight champion, we still talk about Cain Velasquez and his return. We don't even talk about Stipe. You know, we talk about Michael Bisbee being a great champion, but we're talking more about GSP than we are talking about Michael Bisbee being a champion. Uh, DC was the same way, right? So DC, hell of a champion. Let's give it to him, you know. He fought everybody under the under the stars and only lost to one person twice, and that was John Bones Jones. But even when DC was a champion, we're like, hey, you beat Alexander Gustafson, but you haven't beaten John Jones yet, and John Jones is coming back. We just kept seeing those kind of things, and it was very – it wasn't cool, right? And then when Chris, even when Chris Weedman won the championship, right, we were all celebrating, hey, Chris Weedman, he beat, he beat Anderson Silva for the first time. Once we announced that Anderson Silva was coming back to fight again – it just Chris Weidman became a faded champion. We didn't even talk about him. We haven't even talked about Luke Rockhold being a champion, and he's a former champion. And if you look over other places, Cody Garbrandt, he's definitely putting a name for himself. Demetrius Johnson. We're not even talking about Demetrius Johnson, who is tied for Anderson Silva for most title defenses at ten. And when he fight, when he shows up to the next his next UFC fight, it will be eleven defenses. He will be the person who owns that record. And if he wins that fight. It will be broken. Ray Borg, Ray Borg could be that person who gets the streak broken on him. And it's just, to me, it's insane that we're not even talking about that fight and the, the, the quality of that fight is going to be. And we're just like, okay, well, and, you know, Dana White has literally come out and talked about how, you know, Demetrius Johnson is ducking Tyler, TJ Dillashaw, like trying to make it seem like this is what's really going on. But it's funny because we're not even talking about how good these other champions are, but wait a minute, like, you know, yes, it's, it's it's wild to me that we're not even discussing it. You know, Conor McGregor, he's he is the lightweight champion. He's a 155 pound champion, and we're sitting here wondering who's going to be the next champion because they don't have a face of that of that of that uh that division yet. You know, we're it's wild to think that we know who all the champions are, and Max Holloway is going to be that guy that you could pin your pin the UFC on for his weight division because he likes to talk a lot of trash. He'll fight anybody. He'll take punches to the face. He'll talk trash to the fighter right in their face. He's that guy, but the problem is is that he's not exposed enough. Like We don't have him out there like meeting, you know, getting out there talking trash about certain fighters. He'll, he just says, I'll fight anybody. I want to start seeing some of these champions call out other, other fighters. I don't care if they're other champions. I don't care if they're other weight divisions. If Max Holloway came out and said, you know what, I'm here at 155 pounds and I want to fight Nate Diaz, by all means, I want to see it happen. If he says, I'm going to go up to 170 pounds, I want to fight fighter X, fighter Y. It doesn't matter who it is. That's what I want to start seeing. I want to see these guys start calling out people, you know, and I think that's the reason why, and, you know, you laugh at me all the time, but I'm a fan of Mickey Gall because when Mickey Gall fought um, prior to joining the UFC, he told Dana White that he wanted to fight CM Punk. Dana gave him an opportunity in the UFC and said, hey, if you could beat this guy, I'll give you CM Punk. He beat that guy, took CM Punk. Then he said, I don't want to fight just CM Punk. I want to fight that, I want to fight that, uh, what did he call him? Uh... Uh, I forget the name he called, but he's like, I want to fight Sage Northcutt. So he fought Sage Northcutt, and he beat him, and then he called out Dan Hardy. Like, he's calling the guys out that he wants to fight next. And I think that's what I really want to see from the UFC fighters, is I want to see that guy who – I don't want to see this anymore of these guys going, you know what, I'll fight whoever the UFC gives me next. No, I want you to be out there and be like, look, I want him because I want to beat him. John Jones just did it. 
Why are we still talking about John Jones? Because he literally just said, Brock Lesnar, if you want to know what it's like to get your ass beat by a guy who's 40 pounds lighter than you, meet me in the octagon. Like, holy cow. And we all dropped our jaws because we were like, wow. And in the women's division, we don't see that because all the girls in the, and all the women in the women's division, they're all kind of like, it just seems like they're too friendly with each other. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. I I completely understand that. Um, kind of like what you kind of said with that whole thing was is is we talk about, and and I don't mean me and you because me and you and avid UFC fans that that follow the sports that that are complete uh, UFC gurus or or fan fanatics. That's the word I want to use. Fanatics. We we, we talk about the current champions. We talk about. Uh, the up and comers. Um, a lot of people that don't really follow the UFC to to the T like we do, they they they're still hung up on the the former champions, the the ones that kind of rose to stardom in the last six seven years. So you got the Anderson Silvas, the the GSPs, the Diaz brothers. You have the Kane Velasquez, the Brock Lesnar's. You have people like that. Uh, that that people that that follow these guys because this is where their comfort zone is. This is who they remember. And you don't talk about the newcomers, like the, the Sergio Pettis's who just got a big knockout, or not knockout, big win. You, or anybody that's just coming out of the, the up-and-comers from the, the, the new UFC. We don't talk about them that much because as people, we sit there and we think about the good times. Who did we hate or, or who did we cheer for and during these streaks, like the GSP streaks or the Anderson Silva streaks, the Mighty Mouse streaks, you don't, we don't, we don't, we're not talking about Ray Borg no more. We're, we're talking or anybody else. We're talking about streaks that happen, and that and that's that's where the UFC is right now. Is we don't have fighters besides Demetrius going on these long streaks anymore. You know what though? I kind of like the idea of the title changing hands. Not quickly, but I do like the idea of the title changing hand because remember in, at one time, though, it was like Randy Couture had the belt. He defended it against Chuck Liddell. Chuck beat him. Then Chuck defended it against uh, Rashad, Rashad Evans. Evans beat him. Then Evans defended it. Or no, it was, yeah, and then, was that right? Is that how it worked out? Or was it, no, Evans beat Griffin. It was it was wild. Like every other person that was winning the belt couldn't defend the belt the next time. And I kind of like the idea behind that. Up until the point where Rashad beat, uh, got beat by Leota, Leota got beat by Hogan, uh, Shogun, and Shogun got beat by Jones, and Jones made that big run, you know. And you're right, we do talk about the streaks, and then you know, Jones obviously got stripped of the title. DC gets the title, he defends it for two years, loses to Jones, and now Jones holds the title again. But it was that it was that constant like, hey, I can win this title, but I'm I'm going to try to defend it. But obviously, the guy who's coming for me is a lot more hungrier than I am, and I kind of like that aspect. But my problem is, and, and it's essentially how you're saying it, is that there's not a person out there who's like, I'm, I want that guy. And, and that's what, that's the problem. And, and you're right. A lot of people do talk about the older UFC fighters, you know, and you mentioned a few names and just a couple, throw a couple more out there. You know, BJ Penn, you know, uh, Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, uh, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, and, um, you know, uh, Frank Mir, like, we're not talking about those. We're, uh, you have all these people who are like, oh, remember when this fight happened? Remember when this happened? I'm like, I remember when I just watched Edson Barboza knock out um, Edmund with a heel kick. It was the first time that we had seen it done in the UFC, and it was awesome. Oh, you you guys are still talking about that time when uh, 
Randy Couture fought, uh, or when Mark Hamill got kicked in the face back in 1998, did you not see the Showtime kick from, from Anthony Pettis? Like, that just happened to, well, now that happened three years ago. That's wild. Um, you know, if we're talking about these these ideas and these all, these all these other fighters coming out and they're showing off, like, exactly who they are and what they can do. And we're not seeing, you know, we're not seeing, and we're not seeing people talk about it because, unfortunately for the UFC, it's like, you know, once Zuffa kind of sold to WME IMG, that was it. Like, WME doesn't know how to run the UFC promotion. So essentially what it is is they're kind of like telling Dana, hey, just keep doing the same thing you're doing. But what they forgot to mention was that Dana, I don't know, I kind of feel like Dana, he's still the face of the UFC, very much so, but he's kind of missing out on some key opportunities. And he doesn't make all the fights by all means. But it's just like we're putting these fights together, but we're not getting these guys who want to be hyped and talk. And essentially what I want to see Dana start doing is telling these fighters, hey, if you win this fight, call out your next opponent and say something that's going to get the people talking. Because it's important. Like, to grow the sport, we need to have, we have to have these heels. Like, everybody, I love the fact that everybody's like, hey, I'm very, I'm very blessed. I appreciate you guys here in the UFC. I want to see that one guy who just says, you know what? F that. This is who I'm going to fight next. Ronda did it, and that's why we talk about Ronda being the face of the women's division. Remember, she had won against Sarah McMahon. They asked, who, who's the next person you want to fight? Well, Beth Korea has a zero in her, in her loss column. I want to put a one there. And then she beat Beth Korea. I want to put a, I want to put a one in Holly Holmes' uh, record. And guess what? She didn't catch. She caught the L <laughs> instead. But it's the fact that she was out there calling people out. And she was very, she was very disrespectful, obviously, and then very humble behind the scenes. But sometimes we just need that good heel character, that one bad guy that everybody's like, you know what? I don't like you. And I think John Jones is that person and Conor McGregor to an extent is that person. But I'm looking for that one person that's just like, you know what? I want to be the bad guy. I don't care who that person is. I want to be the bad guy. I'm going to be worse than that person. Like if Cody Garbrandt was to fight someone like um, Uriah Faber, which would never happen, or Uriah, yeah, Uriah Faber, which would never happen because they're in the same training camp. But if Uriah came out and he's like, you know what? I want to fight Cody. I want Cody to come and be like, I'm going to beat him and I'm going to beat his kids. Like, I just want that level of bad guy where people would just boo you in arena because they just want to watch you lose versus watch you win. And, and, and you kind of nailed it early, a little bit ago when you threw that name out with the name I don't like. And, that, and this is something i got to respect like when you talk about this and you explain it is if we want the bad guy, we have the bad guy. We have Mickey Gall. As, as, as much as it tastes like vinegar to say, Mickey Gall is the dude that we want right now that, that, that people are going to boo because he's calling people out and beating people. Like you said, he called out CM Punk. Give me CM Punk. I beat him. Let me knock the braids or the cornrows out of Sage Northfit. I did that. Now, Dan Hardy, you want to you wanna bring your old ass back into the cage? Let's go. I'll fight you too. So we have that now. And... The more that you talk about Mickey Gall and what he's doing, the more I realize that I kind of like Mickey Gall now. Like you, you put it in perspective where it's just like we have a bad guy. We have the bad guy, and he's up and coming, and he's doing what he's saying. He's calling shots. He's like, I will knock you out, or I'm going to tap you out. Bill Brooks, you're out. Sage Northcutt, you're out. Who's next? Dan Hardy, let's go. So we do have that guy, and and to, to the credit of you, Clifford, uh, 
Mickey Gall is that dude that I'm, I might have to start rooting for because I like the bad guy. And, it's, and you know what's funny, man? It's, it's funny how you just said that, right? That I like the bad guy. Because remember, back in the day, like when WWE, and I know we're kind of off-tracking from like the UFC side, but back in the day in WWE, man, like everybody loved like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Nobody cared about like the bad guy, right? Until someone like Razor Ramon came along and he was just like, I am the bad guy and I'm cool. I'm that cool bad guy. Or like when The Rock became like the bad guy or Hulk Hogan or Stone Cold or... You know, everybody was like, oh, yeah, I like the bad guy because he's so cool. And I think that's why I like Mickey Gall because Mickey Gall is that bad guy who just was like, you know what? I'm going to call you out. And though after the fights, he's very humble, like, hey, you know, give it up to Sage Northcutt. He was a great fighter. This was a great event. But we're moving on. I want Dan Hardy. And I'm like, he's like, I'm a premier fighter. You're a premier fighter. Let's fight it out. And I'm like, yep, you know what, Mickey, you're right. Let's let's watch you do this. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mickey Gall's the dude that's gonna gonna take us to I'm gonna call it the promised land, and I think he's gonna be that guy that shoots up the roster, and the next thing you know, he's might he's gonna get a title fight, and everybody's like, he doesn't deserve it. He kind of does. He, like he ran his mouth and he backed it up. He's calling people out. He's calling shots. Let's see where he takes him. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like Mickey Gall is like Adam Sandler in uh. And Billy Madison with the dodgeball scene, or he like points at a dude and <laughs> points at a kid and hits him. <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I agree with you with that. That's who I, I see uh, him as. Mickey Gall is the is unfortunately, and I, I hate to say this, but he's the new Chael Sonnen. He's gonna talk crap to you. He's gonna and then he's gonna go and punch in the face. Yeah, Chael Sonnen might have lost to Anderson Silva after that, but but to the extent. Mickey Gall is our new dude. He, I can definitely see him being the face of the bad guys. No, you're definitely right, man. He's definitely, he could definitely be the face, and it definitely could work out. So let's go on, man. We got to talk about this fight card, man, because this is something that I, I was definitely excited about. We're gonna talk about UFC Fight Night. Um, this would be the Sergio Pettis versus um, Brandon Moreno fight. Um, this was a great fight card from top to bottom. Uh, just a lot of good names out there, and uh, you know we go round by round, or we go fight by fight. We can just talk about the main card fights, but just give you an idea, guys, of what happened in this fight card. There were seven first round finishes, which tied a UFC record. So we want to touch back on that. Like this was a record. So if you guys were a fan of fast fight cards, this was one of those fight cards. They actually had to extend out some of the fights because because um, they were ending so quickly. Uh, you know we can start right at the bottom, man, with uh, Herrera versus uh, Rinaldi. Rinaldal- um, you know. Jordan definitely came out with a win in the submission in the first round. Uh, you know, Anthony, talk a little bit about the the total strikes. Give me one quick second here. My uh, my tablet over here is trying to uh, do its own thing. Um, I'm trying to pull up the UFC uh, website right now. Um, that first fight. How about how about you take this one, Cliff? Because my computer, my tablet's doing something weird. Yeah, no doubt. So Jordan, Jordan definitely came out. Um, you know, and all the fight, and all the fights that we bring out to you guys, we talk about it on UFC.com, so you guys can find them as well. So uh, Jordan definitely a seven thirteen fifty three percent striking with significant strikes to being six of twelve. No takedowns were taken in this fight, which was kind of surprising. But uh, we did have one submission attempt by both uh, Herrera and Jordan. Jordan did lock up the the first uh, submission in the win uh, in the first round with three minutes to go. 
As we move up on the fight card, um, this was the performance of the night. Uh, Joseph Morales versus Roberto uh, Sanchez. This was a submission victory as well. Uh, first round, one minute, three seconds. Total strikes, this was kind of a huge thing. Uh, total strikes was 15, 15 of 26 for 57%, where the significant strikes was 12 of 22 for 54%. Uh, Roberto Sanchez did take down uh, Joseph Morales, which did end up, you know, ending the night because obviously it ended in a submission victory. And then moving on to like the last fight of uh, of the UFC Fight Pass, Jose uh, Jose Quin- Quinones versus Diego Rivas. Uh, this was crazy. So it was a decision win, but what we have is a volume of punches thrown by Jose, 70 of 125 for 56 percent. And then in the significant strikes, we're talking about 59 for 112 for 52%. Uh, that's just a large number of punches to, to throw at somebody, just for any any case. In total strikes, uh, Diego, he only threw, uh, he threw 78 punches altogether. And uh, only 29 of them land, so he had a 30%, 37% uh, percentage landing. But uh, when you have a guy who's able to land as many punches or almost as many punches as you're able to throw, you know you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, Jose, one for four for takedowns. Uh, Diego was one for one. He went for, uh, Diego went for two submission attempts. And unfortunately, it did not work out in his favor. Uh, and then we move on, right? So we're in a, right at the pre-fight card. We're talking about uh, Randy versus uh, Henry. Randy with a submission win, two minutes and 58 seconds into the first round, which was great, one of two for takedown, so he was 50%, and he turned around and got the win. Uh, Dustin Ortiz versus Hector Sandov. Uh, KO was another KO. It was a first-round finish as well, 445 into the first round. Uh, in this fight, too, we had uh, 8 of 10 for total strikes, so it just goes to t- show you that you know there wasn't a lot of punches thrown, but 8 of 10, 8 significant strikes, and it was a knockout of the night, so it was definitely one of those crazy one-hitter quitters. Uh, Jack Hermanson fighting Bradley Scott. In this fight, too, we also had a, a first-round knockout for Jack. Uh, it was a dangerous, dangerous move out there. We're going to move up to Alejandro Perez. Uh, with a, He got a win on the decision. Just to let you guys know, he threw 195 strikes in this fight for 49%. Uh, now we're going to skip up a little bit. Uh, this was a kind of disappointing night, and we're going to talk a little bit about this fight uh, Sam Alvary versus Rashad Evans. Uh, you know, Sam Alvary won it in decision. He had 51 strikes, uh, 51 total strikes through 99. Uh, Rashad Evans, 28 of 58. Uh, the sad part about this is that we're talking about Rashad, and the reason why I, I, I say we're going to stop on this fight is because it's Rashad Evans, right? So Rashad Evans loses his fourth fight in a row. He's now 6 of 8 for losses in, uh, in his last 8 fights. And it's it's insane to see that someone like Rashad Evans, who started off so hot up until the point where he lost to Lyoto Machida, um, he's he's no longer a relevant topic to talk about. What's your thoughts on that, Anthony? Yeah, definitely. Uh, with Rashad having uh, four straight losses, it's, we sit here and we think like we think that when he knocked when he when he got when he took the title from Forrest, and then when when he uh, then he got beat by uh, Miyoto Machida. Um, kind of a downfall. It's just how how much longer do you go? How how much how much more fight do you have in you? Do you are you trying to fight to get one more win to to call it a career, or do you just hang your gloves up and say this isn't for me anymore? I'm gonna stick to broadcasting and being an analyst. It 
breaks it, it breaks my heart because Rashad was one of those dudes that I kind of grew up watching too. Is is Sugar Rashad, Sugar Rashad, Sugar Rashad? Everybody was just like all about Sugar Rashad, and now now one of the a UFC. I'll, I'll call him a UFC legend. It's he's on a downfall, and it's and it kind of sucks. No, you're definitely right. And the one thing about Rashad too is, you know, he started off his UFC career as a heavyweight. Because remember, he won the Ultimate Fighter season two as a heavyweight, and then dropped down to light heavyweight and was just dominating guys. We were talking about guys that he knocked out. And um, if you guys go on the blog, so get to ko.blogspot.com, there's an article on there about it, about like all the fights that he had, the Chuck Liddell knockout, the um, you know, his fight versus Shell Sonnen, which came after he beat Leona Machida. You know, we talk about all these fights that were coming out, and we're talking about this man who, he's just, he was so good, and we all knew it. And now, all of a sudden, we're watching, we're just, we're watching, like, it's like a shell of him. And unfortunately, that shell is, you know, it's it's done, man. And it's like, you know, uh, Bleach Report put it out there, too. Actually, they did their article after I did my article, so, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just say that they copied me. But... Rashad needs to think about hanging him up and becoming a permanent analyst. I actually think Rashad Evans would be a perfect analyst with Joe Rogan. I really do. I'm going to be the one that says it. Um, a lot of people probably won't agree with me because they think Brian Stan is doing a great job, and he is. I, I definitely think so. But I think Rashad Evans, Joe Rogan on pay-per-views, I think that makes it a lot better because Rashad is so technical in the fight game that he could talk about things that are going on, and Joe could be the guy who carries on the fight, just kind of like the – Mike Goldberg situation. Um, yeah, and it's it's just sad to see him kind of fade out. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, 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 I also think that he would be a good sidekick for Joe Rogan and doing the cage, doing the cage, uh, the uh, the cage side ring announcing and talking about uh, talk about these fights. He's great on he's great on for uh, Fox Sports or or FS1. But I think he would be even better being cage side. Yeah, I think, and I, I agree, man. Play by play analyst for him is definitely should be in the works, should be something to talk about. And he's going to be a Hall of Fame legend. Like we're gonna, we'll see him get inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame because there's no way that you do not induct him. If you induct Forrest Griffin and you induct um, Stephen Bonner, you have to induct, uh, you have to induct Rashad Evans because Rashad Evans beat them both. And did it pretty handily. So I mean, I just I don't I think that's just something you have to do. And then you got to remember that he was one of those guys who was name calling people. He was the guy that was like, "Hey, I want to fight this guy. Hey, I want to fight that guy." And he fought those guys and he beat them. Like he beat, you know, uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson. He called him out. He called it. He beat Shell Sonnen. Like he's he's out there and he could definitely fight. It's just sad to see that his kind of career is starting to to dwindle down. But let's move on, man. We're not, you know, we're not going to hang on Evans' past. We're going to kind of move on to the future. Uh, Martin Bravo versus uh, Humberto Bandene. Uh, the one thing about Martin Bravo is he was the winner of Tough Enough Latin America. I don't know if you knew that, Anthony, or not. I did. I absolutely did, so, and he yeah. came out. I cannot. That, no, yeah, you're right. He he came out, man. And that fight. Lasted what twenty five seconds? Um, looking, looking, looking at it right now. He threw. He got. He he landed one of three for thirty three percent on top of to where Humberto Huberto. Sorry, I'm murdering his name. Uh, 
landed five of seven for uh, 72%, and he got the KO win uh, and one of the performance of the nights. So, yeah, definitely that was a super quick fight. If you closed your eyes, you missed it. Yeah, so the one thing about it, too, which made it interesting, was that uh, Martin wasn't really driving into the fight as people thought he would he was going to. It was just kind of a kind of unexpected because during like the tough enough series, like he was definitely the aggressor. And in this fight, he didn't come out that way. And Humberto, uh, he was actually a late add-on. Like a lot of people didn't expect him to be added onto the card. He was just kind of a late sign. And the one thing that we definitely saw was uh, Martin tried to go in for a double A takedown because he wanted to try to get the takedown to kind of grind the fight out. Humberto saw it coming threw his leg out, connected with a beautiful knee to the face, ended Martin out, and actually Martin starched out. He was he was locked up in, like, a, all the muscles were all tightened up. It was definitely kind of a scary situation where our thoughts go out with Martin because, you know, he definitely had a scary knockout. He was up and alert after the fight, but, you know, the damage had already been done. Humberto won the fight, and, you know, we're going to look to Humberto a little bit more to see how he continues to his career, it was the third fastest knockout for a person debuting in the UFC. I don't know if you knew that part, Anthony. How about that? I did, <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. It was, yeah, it was definitely huge. It was so cool to watch watch happen. So let's move on, though. We got Allen versus Nico Price, man. Uh, Nico Price getting a KO. Definitely uh, was a fun knockout to see. I mean, I, I call it like that. Uh, you know, 10 for 19. Total strikes, significant strikes were exactly the same, 10 of 19. No takedowns, no submission attempts, just a one-hitter-quitter and just called it out a night, put old boy to the ground, just finished the fight. It was it was good to see. Yeah, look at that. that this, even this whole fight card looked like it was a pretty fast fight card. Yeah, um, and then we'll move on into the women's division, right? So Ronda McCarr versus Alex Grasso. Uh, Alex came out 121 for 224. Uh, significant strikes. She threw 64 of 157. No takedowns, but she did get take Alexa did get taken down four times in that that uh, in that match, and that was very uh, very kind of surprising that Alex wasn't able to defend the takedowns as well as was she. I mean, she defended seven of them, but she wasn't really as defensive as she should have been. I mean, we're not talking like we're not talking about a, a Tyrone Woodley defense where it was zero of 21, but we're definitely talking about how. Randa was definitely looking for the takedowns. I think that was in her game plan, but she couldn't get it done. She only threw 45 punches in those three rounds. And, uh, I mean, it was just a dominant performance by Alexa. So, shout-out to her. Congrats on the win. And then we got to move on to our main event of the night, Sergio Pettis versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, Moreno did score four takedowns in this fight. Uh, judges all unanimously had it for Sergio. Sergio was more active. He definitely had a lot more punches. You know, even his significant strikes were 76 of 235, which means, you know, he was very active on the on the punching scene, only landed 32%, but total strikes for Brandon Moreno was 70 of 191. So if you have a guy who's landing more significant strikes than you're landing uh, total strikes, you know it was a, it was a bad night for Brandon. Uh, Brandon was not really um, cut up as much as what you would think, but he definitely took a couple L's. Uh, in each round, so we definitely have to give our uh, tip our hats to Sergio Pettis for that fight and uh, congratulate him on the win. Yeah, definitely. Congratulations on that win, Sergio. Can't wait to see what he's doing next. So what we have now, man, as you know, we've talked about the UFC fight night. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. We did take a little while on the women's division as well as, you know, that was kind of an impromptu conversation about the fighter, uh, 
our bad guy of the night, the guy that we want to see as a bad guy. But um, let's move on, man. We're going to talk about the UFC 217. I know that's a way, way, you know, we're talking, what, three months away now because September, October, November, November 4th in Madison Square Garden. We have a dream fight. Anthony, I want to hear what your dream fight list sounds like from top, uh, from bottom to top. We're going to talk about, uh, obviously, we know what the main event's going to be. That's the GSP Big Swing fight. But go ahead and give, it, uh, give us your matchups, man, of what you want to do. All right, definitely. Um, you know, it's a big – it's in New York, so you got to put some New York fighters on there. But on, I say on the fight pass, we, uh, we started off with Tisha Torres versus Felice Herrig and let those two girls uh, wrestle it out. After that, I, wanna, I would like to see Carla Esparza versus Angela Hill. That would be a good fight between those two. Uh, and to finish off the fight pass, I would like to see Sage Northcutt versus Alex Cowboy Olivero. That would be a really good fight and a very intriguing fight. Um, my undercard, I've got uh, Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson versus Carolina Katowinsk. Sorry. And then after that, you gotta you gotta put you have to be put CM Punk. You gotta put Phil Brooks. And I, I would like to see him versus Emil uh, Meek. He's on a win streak right now, and I would like to see that fight go down. And then you gotta put. The New York boys on here. You got Chris Weidman versus Derek Brunson, and then Neil Magny versus Carlos Condit. And you can't forget Uriah Hall, as he. I would like to see him take on Sagio Santos again. Um, then you move into the main card, and then I would like to see Joanna defend her title against Claudia. Uh, then I would like to see Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Then you got. Stipe Mitic versus Fabricio Wardome again. And then this was kind of the hard part is throwing who, 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 who co-main events and who main events this card. And I, as big as GSP is, I don't, I, I would like to see uh, him versus Michael Bisbing as the co-main event and to finish it off with Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw as the main event. All right, so mind you, just kind of give you guys an idea, Anthony and I have not talked about this fight yet. Okay, so to put that out there, let you guys know, we have not talked about main events or any of these other fight cards, so when you guys hear us talking about back and forth, that's what we're gonna, That's what you guys will hear this for the first time as well as me, and he'll hear my fight card for the first time. So let's talk about some interesting fights that you had brought up, right? So you definitely brought up the Sage Northcutt fight, right, and Sage Northcutt being on the undercard fight. Who was your second women's fight in that fight pass? Uh, Carla Esparza versus Angela Hill. So I like that fight, right? So Carla Esparza, anytime that I see her name on the fight card, I get excited to see her. She's a great fighter, a great wrestler. She does a lot of great things. I think that's a fight that you can, and I'm just going to kind of critique on your fight card, and you can do the same with me. I think that's a fight that you put on the on the prelim fight card. I just think that she's worthy of that spot. She's fought in, the, in that fight card before. I think that she has the character, uh, the character to carry on. And, and oddly enough, I don't have her on my fight card. But for you, I think she fights Michelle Watterson. And I think that makes that fight a little bit more dangerous. It lift, gives it that much more star power because Carla is a, is, has been a rising star. Michelle Watterson is a star. And you have two great stars fighting each other in that fight card. I think that's actually a good matchup as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I uh, I did I, I did have Carla on the undercard at first, but and I, but I could not put uh, CM Punk on the fight pass. You know, he's a big name. He's got to go on, on the undercard. So I switched those two fights up. I had that CM Punk versus Emil Meek 
as as the second fight on Fight Pass, and I just I couldn't do it. I had to flip it around and say, Carla, you got to take, you got to fight this one for us. No, that's definitely, and that's a good move too, man. I definitely like that. You know, the other fight that I saw on there, uh, Sage Northcutt. You know, Sage Northcutt. You had a great matchup with Sage Northcutt. I definitely like that one. Yeah, I found it interesting that you put all five championship fights on the main card fight, though. I see yeah, that you have five true. main fight, five championship cards. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about this. Like we we know we know for a fact that this will never happen, but this is our dream. No, and you're right. I mean, having five championship fights will definitely be tough. Uh, Johan definitely will be a great matchup in there. You do have Cody Garbrandt in there as well. Uh, and then uh, Stipe would definitely bring a lot of star power over just because he's a heavyweight champ. So you definitely have a great mix-up of, like, the champions in there, but you also have a great undercard fight. So, yeah, props to you, man, about the undercard. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that would be a great I, – I really do want to see your eye haul, like – Shout out to you, Al. I really want to see him back in the cage soon. I, we haven't seen him in a minute. No, and you definitely had the right idea with having some of the New York boys involved. I definitely like that. You're right, Hall. Definitely, uh, you know, Chris Weedman was definitely a great pick, too, because, you know, it's very, not very often we've seen him back in the cage. And now that he's actually fought last time at, at New York, he's, you know, sending him back over to MSG. Definitely makes sense. And Derek Brunson is definitely a great matchup for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, Neil Magny, Neil Magny, he's from New York. Um, one person I left out was Al uh, Quinta. He's also from New York, and uh, this guy, I couldn't I couldn't fit him in my card. He was he was the oddball out. And that's and that's sometimes that happens. And sometimes it really does happen to people like that. And and it's okay. It's 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 fine. Um, Let's talk about – I want to bring up my fight card and see kind of how you feel about it, right? So I kind of was looking through the UFC's fight card. I know, like, what they normally like to do is on a fight pass, introduce, like, some of the fighters that they've recently signed, as well as mix in some, uh, some of the older veterans as well. So starting from my bottom up, man, I started off with the bad guy himself, Mickey Gall versus Kimura Usman. Uh, Kimura is a newer – he's going to be one of the newer fighters. He's definitely going to be a strong matchup, uh, but Mickey Gall, you know, being – Still kind of young, uh, long, or uh, young in the tooth. You know, he's four zero right now. I think giving him another fighter who kind of matches his record a little bit would definitely be a good challenge for him, especially because Kimura is definitely a big. Um, he's a big. He's a heavy striker, so it's definitely gonna be fun to watch those two kind of go at it. And you know, uh, the next fight after that, I got Ashley Yoder versus Amanda Ribas. Uh, Amanda Ribas is a new, a new addition too, so it'll be definitely fun. Uh, and then I took it to the heavyweights, man. I brought Todd Duffy back against uh, Adam Wischuk. Which Chekorek, which uh, I slaughtered his name. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but Todd Duffy, you know, coming back from back injury, he's definitely wanting to get back in the UFC. He's made a big announcement about it. Now, if the UFC will utilize him, let's see. You know what happens. Uh, another, another, and then we get right to the undercard, man. Uh, Cahill Roundtree versus John Phillips. I mean, Cahill definitely deserves to be on this fight card. He's definitely one of those guys that we talked about as a as a big trash talker, and I think he definitely fits in into this fight card itself, um, Edson Barboza versus Thiago Alves. So I like the pit bull. Um, you know, he's a great wrestler. He does love his Muay Thai, but Edson Barboza has some deadly, deadly leg kicks. I definitely want to see Edson Barboza get pushed a little bit. I think Thiago is that guy that can kind of make him make those moves. And I think he's just going to fit well in that fight card. Uh, Michelle Watterson fighting Alexandra Abul. So this was just a fighter who recently fought. She really took a lot of damage in uh, the prelim fight just last week. Uh, but 
I think that she's definitely got something to her that you can definitely pin on her. So she did come out with a win against um old girl from Hawaii. Uh, yep. Yep. But uh yeah, so I think she's definitely uh, definitely a person that I could see uh, you know, showing up and probably showing out. Uh, the next fight card, I have to bring this up because this fight is definitely one of those fights that you're definitely, Anthony, you may you may like this matchup. Uh, so I have to bring up Olesi, uh, is it Olenike? Uh the MMA fighter who tapped out uh, Travis Brown at UFC 213 on July 8th. So he's definitely one of my favorite matchups I see. He's 52 and 10. Got a lot of big knockouts as well as a lot of um, a lot of submission. Oh, he's got five knockouts, but he's got 43 submission victories. So I think that would be a lot of fun to watch him get into. And the person I put him against was Marcin Tybora, and you and that name should sound familiar because he was the man who got the win over uh, Andre Avlovsky uh, back at UFC Holmes versus uh, Korea. So he hasn't fought in a while, so it'd definitely be cool to see those two. That's a great matchup, dude. That's a really good matchup. Definitely one of my favorites. So as much as we were talking about uh, your fight card and your main event fight card it has a lot of uh, championship star power in it, I, I kind of wanted to follow same example, not exactly how exactly how you did it, but um, uh, my first fight for tonight would have been Alexander Gustafson versus uh, Vulcan Olsademir. I just, he called him out. He said he wanted to fight. I think that that's a fight that we should get. I agree. I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, the next fight I have up on there is uh, Cain Velasquez versus Alistair Overeem. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Alistair has been talking a long time about Cain Velasquez and wanting to fight him. Cain Velasquez is coming back. I think this would be a great first matchup for Cain Velasquez to come back and get in. Uh, you know, he was supposed to fight at UFC 200. He's been out since then. I think him coming in and fighting a, an Alistair Overeem would definitely be a great matchup for him. The following fight after that, this would be the first of three championship fights that we have. Uh, Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm. I think this is a great fight card. You have two great strikers that would be going against each other, and Holly Holmes has openly said that she wants to fight at 145, so I think that's definitely the fight you have to give. And then, crazy enough, this is my final two uh, fights, but I have a co-main event and then main event. My co-main event is Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. We finally get that fight. I think it happens. It happens at MSG. I think this is the fight that needs to happen at MSG. And then finally, we have GSP versus uh, Michael Bisping. All right, definitely. I like I like I like the uh, the co main event uh, and the main event. I had them fucked around. I like Chris Cyborg on this card versus Holly Holmes, especially being in New York. You, you got Chris Cyborg who's finally just coming to the UFC and uh, and getting her own fan face. So being in New York, it's gonna that that'll help her brand out. It'll bring it'll bring a lot of money in from her uh, followers. One thing I would change on yours, though, is that Mickey Gall fight. That I would definitely uh, not put that on a fight pass. I would definitely be one of the undercard uh, co-main events or main event of that undercard. No, and you could definitely make a valid point. I mean, you know, Mickey Gall is definitely, you know, and we just talked about earlier in the program that Mickey Gall is a rising star. He's the heel of the, fate, uh, heel of the, the UFC. He's definitely great. I love Mickey Gall. I And mind you, Anthony can attest to this. I've been a Mickey Gall fan since he beat uh, CM Punk. I just think that he's one of those guys that, you know, he's going to call his shots. He's going to take his shots. And actually, prior to the CM Punk fight, you know, watching him get into the UFC and just keep egging on CM Punk, it was definitely great to see. So, you know, it's 
I agree. He definitely probably should be bumped up that fight at least, you know, to the undercard fight because you know those are those are pretty heavy stars to have on a on a fight card, and to have Mickey Gall fit right underneath there, I don't know if that's at that spot yet. Yeah, I I I think that, uh, but I still think that uh, with Mickey Gall, uh, he definitely he has climbed up the ladder enough that he would definitely be a. a at least an at least one of the main event undercard for an undercard with with this one with this with this uh with with this uh 217 and it being new york we want it to be star power i i get it, i get where you're at with that um any other uh fight card uh fs1 or a fight pass or even just on fox fight night um I would almost he he's almost to the point where you almost got to put him in, on the main card now because he's he's growing he's becoming a star. You know, and I I 100% agree with you. And the reason why he started the fight off that way is just you know you want to put that bad guy out there early. I think that definitely works out. But you are 100%. Any other fight card that Mickey Golf fights except for this obviously is the dream fight match card. Um, other than um, other than this fight, this dream matchup, right? Mickey Gall is, because, you know, his first fight, or his, uh, when he fought uh, CM Punk, they were the third fight of the night, third fight or fourth night. And I think he warrants, you know, either to be the main event or the co-main event on any other fight card. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, we'll see how he comes out in the next, Few fights and see where he goes. I, I I just think the with with Mickey Gall now that 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 ceiling is endless for him. He, there's no ceiling for this guy right now. He's he's beating people and calling people out. And as soon as he calls them out, he beats them. So there's no ceiling for this guy right now. Nope, you're 100 percent, man. 100 percent. That's that's very true. You know the one thing I do like too in this fight card too is that Edson Barbosa Thiago Alves match is the battle of the Brazilians. Even though you know. Uh, Thiago Alves does live in San Diego, or he trains out of San Diego now, I do believe, or he even moved to Florida. He might have, he might have left. Uh, but Thiago and Edson Barboza, man, Edson's such a great striker, and I think him fighting uh, Thiago Alves, you'll see a battle of the kicks as well as a battle of the strikes. And I just, I don't know, I think this will be a fun fight just to watch, period. If this fight doesn't happen at UFC 217, I'd like to see this fight be like the co-main event fight of like UFC 219. Yes, definitely. I would love to see that fight really happen. You know, and um, you know, and another great fight, right? We had that, uh, and you brought it up, right? You said it was a great fight, uh, Marion versus o- Oliski. Like, man, two guys who are ready to slug. One guy will slug it out. The other guy won't look for the takedowns. So we're talking about an MMA striker versus an MMA uh, submission artist getting on the mat, just letting them run, run the, run the town. I think uh, Marianne Tybura, uh, Tybura has that fight to win, but it's definitely um, I definitely see if uh, Olesi could take it to the ground, he definitely will win this fight. So it's definitely cool to see that fight card as well, or that fight as well. And then uh, yeah. you know another big fight on here that I had was that Alexander Gustafson versus Vulcan fight. Um, Gus, we've seen Gustafson be able to take a punch before, but then again we saw Jimmy Manuel be able to take a punch, and, and Vulcan delivered a punch, and Jimmy didn't survive that punch. So I don't know if. Alexander, yeah. Alexander's a little tougher than Jimmy, but I don't know if I don't know if Alexander comes out with a win in that fight. 
I yeah, I don't I don't know either. Vulcan has that heavy hand and uh and poor uh his last opponent, he he got he got knocked out and he found out hard what how hard of that how heavy that hand can hit. Uh so yeah, I think Goose I think Goose uh I think Alexander uh would have to use his his length, his reach. Like he, not very many people have that his him and John Jones reach, and he'd have to he definitely have to use that against this guy. Or if he gets in close, he could be going down just like his last opponent. No, and you're definitely one hundred percent right with that, man. Um, with that being said, though, those are kind of our matchups for UFC two seventeen. Um, Anthony, man, what else you want to talk about? Um. Nothing really. We got we got we got about three four, three or four weeks before we get uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather getting in the in the boxing ring and seeing how that's going to play out. Um, got a shout out this weekend. I got a got a shout out my boy Dwight Joseph. He's fighting here in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Turf Wars. Uh, he's fights out of Team Alpha Male, I believe, or now Uriah's uh, Greatest Gym. Um, I've always seen him on Snapchat with all all the guys, seeing pictures with the with with the with the whole camp, and uh, he's fighting here in Lincoln this next weekend. And so, shout out to him. Good luck, brother, and I hope he comes out with a W. No, definitely. Shout out to all of our Nebraska our Nebraska fighters. We definitely love you guys. We definitely support you guys. We're out there always thinking about how you guys are representing the the state and how well you're doing. You know, one thing that I kind of want to touch on a little bit is. You know, you know, we're right, man. We're right in the right, in the right pocket. Uh, this is, like, number two of three great fights that I've been looking forward to, you know, that being John Jones, uh, Floyd Mayweather, and then uh, Triple G getting ready to come up in September. There's three great fights that are coming up. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun to, to see happen. Um, and with that being said, man, uh, it's kind of unique to see that the UFC gets to host all the boxing fights for the prelims and that Showtime is going to take all the pay-per-view fights. So, you know, we have the matchups, the the weigh-ins, and then we're gonna watch um, the the fight, the prelims, and then after that, the prelims, uh, the main card fight goes on to Showtime. So, if you guys are gonna watch it, Showtime pay-per-view is gonna be where it's at, and Floyd Mayweather is gonna be, you know, out there out there with the fight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that that like you you, you kind of nailed it. Triple G versus the Canelo uh, fight. I. That's that's one that I totally just blanked out of my mind. I thought, with everything going on with the Connor fight, with with the Connor McGregor, the Floyd Mayweather, the John Jones fight, you kind of slipped out of that. Uh, you forgot that Triple G and Canelo fight is actually going to happen here next month. And you talk about two dudes who slug fast, who are looking to get knockouts. They're going to be battling in the, in the ring. Now it could go two ways. There could be a lot of bombs dropped, or there could be not very many bombs dropped because both guys know that they both have knockout power. But either way, man, the Triple G kind of fight is going to be exciting to watch. Um, we don't really talk much about boxing here, but with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor being a topic, but we do love combative sports, so we definitely we definitely touch more on it as the closer time as it gets closer. Uh, as always, we're going to close out this show, and the way we close it out is we wanted to give a shout out to our service men and women all around the world. Uh, home front as well as overseas we think about you guys all the time um, those of you guys who are out there know that um, I'm very supportive of team 22 and Anthony is very supportive of wounded warriors as well as um, you know bringing up suicide awareness to um, all of our troops you know it used to be 22 to 1 now it's 20 to 1 um, 
veterans to active duty members um, who we lose due to suicide. So we just want to keep bringing, abor- bringing apart the huge, um, the huge awareness of, of suicide, um, the you know, military suicide awareness. Uh, we love you guys. As we said, you guys can always find us, whether it's on social media or even if you guys happen to have our phone numbers, you guys can always give us a call. We're always here answering phone calls, and we're always talking to people and just making sure that, you know, they know that there's somebody in their corner defending them. Yeah, definitely. I Like you said, you're, you're a big Project 22 fan, two, uh, two supporter. I'm a big uh, Wounded War supporter. I also do supporting a, a I Got Your Six. It's a, it's a group out on Facebook right now, and uh, they're going to uh, – it is. It is what it is. It's. It's. I've got your back. I got your six. No matter what battle. Um, with that being said, you could always find find us on social media. Our phone numbers, emails are always out there. You could. You could follow me on, or reach out to me on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my Instagram is my first name, last name, Anthony Lujan, and then followed by one nine eight five. That's my Instagram. And you can find me on Snapchat and Twitter at a Lujan one nine eight five. That's A L U J A N one nine eight five. And if you guys want to get a hold of me on Twitter, you guys can find me at cm underscore miller eighty five. You guys can find me the same one on Instagram cm underscore miller eighty five. You guys want to find me on Instagram or on uh, Snapchat? On Snapchat, it's ice in the veins. So I C E N D A V E I N S. So ice in the veins, you guys can find me there. Um, we're pretty active all over the social media scene. And then, you know, we look forward to hearing from you guys. We look forward to talking to you guys. We, we're excited about the MMA world. We hope you guys are excited. Uh, we, we definitely keep the passion going because it's just something that we love. We don't even, we don't make anything off of this. We just, we just share our love with the sport. And it definitely, um, we hope it reflects through you guys and you guys can, you know, pass it along. Go ahead, man. Uh, if you guys find us on uh, Google Play, or even or the, yeah, the Google Play Music or even Apple's iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, it'll give you updates on when we're ready to come out with our new podcast so you guys can always be listening in. We're excited to have you guys. Don't forget to go check out Get the KO. Uh, there is a big article on there about Rashad Evans and you know what we think about him and whether it's time for him to hang him up, uh, get a little bit more detail about it. And we look forward to seeing you guys later. All right, perfect.